Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir and I've been a middle and high school teacher as well as a teacher of future and current teachers and I love a good story. And I love to explore ways to help students live out great stories and for their educators to thrive in their own. And that's what we talk about in this podcast. Whatever you teach or however you serve in schools, how can you lead a more impactful, dynamic, meaningful, and epic classroom? All right, well, thanks for listening in on the pod today. It has been a whirlwind, like usual, at least in the fall for me lately. I just returned from Halifax, Nova Scotia, where I got to spend some time with some really cool Canadian educators. And, you know, I was thinking about it, and this will be a longer podcast episode pretty soon, but I was thinking about it. There is a lot we can learn from Canadians, because every time I go to your beautiful country, Canadians, I'm always met with some unbelievable kindness. And listen, I know it's a stereotype, and so I'm not clueless, and and, and I realize that not everybody's always nice in your big, beautiful, often cold country. But I tell you what, everybody I meet there has been really, really friendly to me. I was just in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I was met, I was was speaking at an early elementary uh, teachers conference there. So it was all primary teachers, pre-K to third grade. And, And I think that's part of it. I think that's part of my podcast episode. It's it's the kindness and just absolute wonderful nature of early elementary teachers. But then you mix in the Canadian element. And it just led to this unbelievable time of being with kind, friendly, excited, motivated, passionate, inspirational people. And it was really, really good. I love going to new places, by the way. Like, it brings me so much joy to see the world outside of the world that I live in day to day. And so, like, when I'm in Halifax, I rented an electric scooter and I just cruised all around the city on this beautiful harbor looking at ships going by and and eating something called a beaver tail which isn't actually made out of a beaver it's actually made out of fried dough and it was mind-blowingly tasty and I had this unbelievable meal with all of the educators there and then I got to be at this conference and I just left humming a little bit because not only was I getting to experience this kindness that I see every time I go to Canada I was I was with these early elementary teachers who just have something figured out that I really wish everybody else would figure out from them. Just this way of approaching your work with this care and this kindness towards your students, but also this just unadulterated joy. And I got to just be in it and bask in it and tell some stories in it. And it was so, so, so good. So that was last weekend. I'm going to Syracuse this weekend uh, to speak at the Stannis Conference, which is all science teachers and educators in New York. Um, And I cannot wait to be with them too, but there's just something and so fun about going to new places and I love it because I feel like every time I go somewhere different I'm learning new ideas I'm learning new ways to approach the work of an educator and I just get to take it back with me and apply it to my own life and get to share it with others and I couldn't love it more you know as a secondary teacher by trade starting with middle school and then teaching most of my career in high school There's a lot of things that secondary teachers do really well. But every time I'm with elementary teachers or even early elementary teachers, I feel like I I learn 
ideas and practices that could be applied to secondary. You know, just sometimes the silliness and the goofiness and and the structures and the routines, uh, all of the different ways of connecting with young kids, they work in the secondary level as well. And so I always love to just go soak up this knowledge. And I'm going to put some more thought into that, some of the lessons that I've learned from early elementary that could be applied to the rest of us, whether it's secondary or even higher education. I think there is a lot to learn from early elementary teachers. And every time I get to be with them specifically, I feel like I'm just growing as an educator. So more on that soon. That's not what this episode is about, though. This episode is about garage sales. So let me explain. So we had a garage sale at my house not too long ago because my wife said to me, we have too much junk. And but then when I went out on the driveway to see what she had out there for sale at the garage sale, I was absolutely shocked. I was like, honey, this isn't junk. You can't sell this painting. We bought that in our first year of marriage. You know, we can't sell the crib. Our babies lived in that thing. It's special. It was made of wood and it was really expensive, but it's also special. We can, you can't sell my wakeboard. I got that when I was in high school and I swear I'm going to pick it back up someday. But my wife, who is always the voice of reason, replied, Trevor, we bought that painting 13 years ago. It doesn't match the style of our house at all anymore. And, and the kids are in beds now. The crib takes up too much space. And what do you need a wakeboard for? You don't even have a boat. I mean, she does have a point there. But, you know, the thing is, I have this emotional connection with things sometimes. I think we all do. Even if I don't need them anymore, the connection is still there. And the truth is, it can be hard to move on and part with objects that used to serve a purpose, especially ones that have stories tied to them, like wakeboarding in high school and making friends that way, or, or having babies and raising them up and putting them to bed every night in this crib, or, you know paintings that I bought with my wife before we had kids like these are special they have stories tied to them but you know as I think about this and I think about how my wife is right my basement was getting a little too cluttered with things that we don't use anymore it's it's got me thinking about teaching naturally because that's what we do on this podcast right you know it's got me thinking about teaching and getting rid of practices and tools that need to be slapped with that 25 cent sticker and put out on the driveway Right? Like there are things in education that were useful for us at one point, or maybe it was useful when we were even kids, but they might not be working anymore. You know, for me, one of the major ones was the 45-minute lecture. You know, this is primarily how I was taught when I was a kid. Even though I usually hated sitting in those classes as the teacher stood in the front of the room and just droned on, this is what school was for me. You know, from about fourth grade to my senior year of college, the teacher was the holder of knowledge, and I was mostly the receiver of it. And so I started off teaching by spending a lot of time giving lectures. This is what I knew. And to be honest, I'm pretty good at it. You know, I love giving a good lecture. I have no problem taking 45 minutes and talking the entire time, especially when I'm interested in what I'm talking about. You know, like I, I, I'm a huge fan of like World War II, World War I history, and I can geek out about it on my own. I love reading books about it. I went and studied it in college. It's something that I can very easily geek out about. And so I want my students to geek out about it. And I really love standing in front of them and telling them the story 
stories and delivering the information and wanting them to listen along and take notes and be active in it all. I love doing it. I'm pretty good at it. I enjoy it. But I saw time and time again, no matter how much I enjoyed speaking to students and telling them stories and all of this interesting information, no matter how much I enjoyed it, and no matter how good I felt like I was at it, my students, after about 15 minutes, would start to disengage. It's nearly impossible to captivate students for long lectures, and so it becomes this waste of time. In fact, there's research that shows that when students sit doing nothing but one type of task for more than 15 minutes, their brains begin to shut off. Long lectures just don't work, and I would see it with my own eyes. So even though I had a history with an emotional connection to giving long lectures, I had to get rid of them at the garage sale. The data was showing that students were not learning as much as I thought they would. And, and just the reaction in class and the way their heads would nod or they would disengage or all of a sudden they'd start looking under their desks and smile, which of course means there's a cell phone under there. You know, that, that was all evidence to me that it doesn't matter if you have this connection to it. It doesn't matter if this is how you were taught. It's not working for your students. 45 minutes is too long to speak without your students having their brain shift and focus on something else. And so I had to find better alternatives to this ineffective teaching practice. You know, for me, at least with this 45 minute structure or a structure of a, of a lecture, this meant shortening direct instruction to make it more effective. Learning they need to be concise and only reserved for certain material. Lectures are for big ideas, or maybe they're better for small groups where it's more interactive, but they also cannot be that long. They need to be shorter. But So I had to adjust what my lectures look like, but it also meant replacing the 45-minute lecture with other things that were more effective. And this, all, this meant doing more collaboration and discussion-based learning and projects and more student ownership, less Trevor the teacher ownership of the learning and more students owning the learning. And you know what happened? Students started learning and engaging more. By getting rid of an ineffective practice, I was creating space for ones that actually worked. So right now, I wanna challenge you to think about what is it in your teaching practice that needs a garage sale? Maybe you're grading too much because you've always been told to grade everything that students submit, but it's starting to burn you out. You can't deal with the piles of papers on the weekend anymore. And you also have a sneaking suspicion that grading everything isn't actually helping anyone. And so maybe it's time to garage sale that practice and be more selective of what you grade. Maybe there's a lesson or activity that just isn't working like it used to. And you've known this for a while now, and maybe it's time to retire that lesson. Maybe you've set your room up in a certain way for a long time, but the arrangement is starting to create problems. Maybe having students just oriented towards you and they're all sitting in rows, maybe that's not lending to really good collaboration. Or maybe you've only had your students in groups and it's becoming way too social and it's time to create some different arrangements. And, and we have to pull that Band-Aid and say, you know what, maybe this works in some instances, maybe it's not working at all and I need to rethink about how I'm going to arrange and, and, uh, and align seats for maximum student engagement. Maybe you just need to garage sale that pressure you put on yourself to be a perfect teacher because that just isn't working anymore and you need to put that energy into more useful areas.
I mean, the truth is, I think as educators, we're so often given new ideas and strategies to get better at what we do, but we don't have space for them. And there's got to be room to grow. And sometimes that means making room by discarding practices that aren't working like they used to or never worked, and you're finally realizing that. So I created a litmus test to determine whether something needs to go to the curb at the garage sale or not. You know, the first one is, does it enhance student learning? I think that's the question we have to ask before anything else. You know, this is the foundational question. Does what I'm doing enhance student learning? You know, because the primary purpose of school is for students to learn. You know, they are here to learn important subject matter. They're here to learn social skills, to learn work ethic, to learn confidence. And so our teaching practices should be centered on that. And if you're hearing that whisper in your ear that something you do has run its course, first ask, what is it doing for student learning? You know, if, if you're feeling this inkling that maybe I don't need to do this thing anymore, or maybe it's time to change it up. Maybe I need to get rid of this thing that I've been doing for a long, long time, but it just doesn't seem to work. Maybe we need to listen. And then we can ask the questions, you know, like, does that shiny ed tech actually help students learn math more? Or is more time being spent being figured out how to use it? You know, are we, are we put, spending a lot of time just trying to figure out how to use a technology and it's not actually benefiting student learning? You know, or do students need to read that same novel that you've been teaching from for 20 years? Especially when you know that fresher books that students might actually be excited to read can teach the same themes and concepts. Do I need to keep doing things that way or is it time to get creative and find something else? Because the truth is, there are a lot of great ideas floating around out there. That's one of the things that I just, I mean, I said it at the beginning of the podcast, but you know, I just love getting to be with different teachers all the time. It's, it's a blessing for me. As an educator myself, I learn so many practices and ideas and resources and technologies that really work for teachers and students in their classrooms. And when I hear these ideas, I'm like, oh, this is something I want to implement, or this is something I can really get behind. But it's like, okay, great practice, but when are you actually going to do that? Because you have all of these other things you already use. And so I think it's important to go through all the things we already do and ask, does this actually enhance student learning? Because the truth is, sometimes when you go through the different things that you do, when you kind of explore your pedagogy and all of your practices and the resources and material you cover, it's sometimes easy to figure out what is not actually working and what actually needs to go. So that's number one. Does it enhance student learning? The, you know, the other item on the litmus test is do I actually have capacity for it anymore? You know, for several years, I had my students interview, and I've told you about this before, so I'll keep it brief. But for several years, I had students interview actual World War II veterans, and I'd had them create documentaries and artwork based on the veterans' lives. And at the end of every project, we held a huge event at a public theater, and we invited the whole community and the veterans and their families to come out and watch student films, and it was always glorious, and it was usually the highlight of my teaching year. But then one year, when I was about to start that project, my wife gave birth to our daughter, our youngest, and I don't know if you're a parent or not, but let me just give you a little spoiler alert if you're not. It is very tiring to raise a newborn baby, especially when you have another toddler at home. And so that year, as I was planning for the World War II project, we had a newborn at home. And, and, and this year, 
I just couldn't muster the energy to lead this massive school event while rocking my baby girl half the night. Man, I used to come to school tired, and I had just big bags under my eyes, and I knew as soon as that 3.30 hit in the afternoon, I would go home and, and, and obviously enjoy and love my time with my new baby. That is time you never get back. But I also knew, like, all right, as soon as I get home from work, I move on to my second shift, and it's even harder than my first shift actually at school. And so I would just, I was tired and I was up all the time and, and I could feel it in my bones. And, and I just didn't know how I could possibly do this big World War II event with this huge public audience and inviting people in and, and organizing the whole thing and leading my students through it and having all of the pressure to make sure that we have, have all the films and artwork and writing done by the big red carpet event. I didn't know how I was going to be able to do that as well as be as tired as I was from raising a newborn baby. And so you know what I did that year with the World War II project? I canceled it. That's right. Ooh, I get goosebumps saying that. Because here's the thing, I'm not really good at saying no sometimes. I like to just soak it all up. And this time, I just had to say no, even though some of my fondest memories as a teacher were tied to this big event. Some of my most proud moments as a teacher was watching my students present what they created in front of the community and watching their pride and joy as the whole community cheered them on and honored these veterans. It was some of my greatest memories and it was effective. It really did a great job of getting students engaged. But I didn't have the capacity for it that year. I mean, my students, I still took them to interview World War II veterans because that wasn't a big leap. But instead of holding a big event, I had my students write out the stories of the veterans and we'd put them into manila envelopes and we mailed them to the vets and their families. Because even though this wasn't as grand as a project, I had the capacity for this one, right? Like I still wanted my students to do something with World War II veterans stories, but you know, the climax of what they were doing, like the thing they were building towards didn't require as much from me. And, and that was just the reality is that I didn't have more energy to give. I didn't have the capacity for it, but I did have the capacity for this one. You know, it's too easy for teachers to overcommit and overextenuate themselves in the name of student learning only to run so low on energy that they're unable to do the work well, right? Like I'm sure that if I wanted to, if I had that deep desire, I probably still could have thrown this event, but it probably wouldn't have been as good as the years past. I probably would not have had it buttoned up the way that it should be. It probably wouldn't honor World War II vets to the same level as it did before I had a newborn in the house. I needed capacity for this. And so therefore I had to decide I can't do this thing anymore. I can at least do it this year while I've got two very young kids in the house. I've got to say no to it. And so I had to put, take it out to the garage sale. And it wasn't easy to do because again, I know how good it was, but it wouldn't be good if I didn't have the energy for it. And I would have trouble as a teacher to find joy in the work, joy in the process that month of teaching World War II and teaching writing while simultaneously putting this whole thing together. I would have trouble finding joy in all of that because I was giving all of my energy to my little girl and the time that I did have at school, I wanted to put that energy in to the things that I could really control and do well. And so I had to say no to it. Not only does this cause the joy for teaching to wane,
You know, when you're putting your all of your energy into something that you don't have energy for, when the capacity is not there, it's hard to find joy in the work. But it also can cause the joy and the learning experience for students to wane as well. You know, if you are not able to put your passion and energy behind what you're teaching, how can we expect students to be passionate and energetic about it as well? And so we have to conserve our capacity. We've got to make sure that we have space to do the things that we actually love, that we're excited about, that we find joy in teaching. And so that means sometimes discarding the things that are not essential. And again, that is not easy to do. And we're not just doing it because it doesn't have value anymore. You know, I will always treasure the memories of the World War II event. I will always love those times that my students got to do that, especially because those veterans are no longer with us, but their stories, our students captured them and they were able to share them with the community. That is something I will always treasure. But the truth is, I would not have been able to do it well when I did it if I didn't have the capacity and space for it. And so when I lost that capacity and space, I had to be able to make the decision to not do this thing that I love because I would rather preserve my own energy so that I can give it to students the things that are more essential in that moment in time. And that's what we have to do. Sometimes we gotta take things to the garage sale. So I would just encourage you right now to think about what is that lesson that just doesn't seem to be working anymore? Or what is that piece of the curriculum that never seems to drive the point in with students and it feels a little fluffy? What is the practice that you take part in? Maybe you're grading too much. Maybe you're expecting too much from students too early on in a unit and we need to scaffold more and build things up. What is, you know, maybe, maybe there's a project that you're doing that just, never seems to get the engagement that you originally thought it would when you designed it. And maybe your students aren't joyful about it. And maybe you're not finding a whole lot of joy. Guess what? It's okay to sell it. It's okay to put a price tag on it and put it out at the curb. It's okay at times to say, you know what? This served its purpose at one point and now I'm able to move on to something else. Or maybe this worked for me 20 years ago, but it's not working for my students. And so you need to be able to have the permission to say this is no longer essential in my classroom and it's not bringing me joy and it's not bringing students deeper learning and so maybe it's time to get rid of it and that is completely okay to do even when it's not necessarily easy to do like giving away your beloved wakeboard which by the way we got rid of it but i'm gonna buy another one someday when we rent a boat or something and i am going to love it again then but until then i've got a little bit more space in my basement so thanks for listening today, friends. It is so good to get to share stories and ideas with you. And I appreciate you uh, joining me on this journey. So if you are in New York and you're going to the Stannis Conference, please come up and say hi. I would love to meet you. Uh, and if you just know me from the internet, uh, I'm excited to see you there too. Please engage and uh, say hi. I'd love to say hi back. And I'd love to find out when people are actually listening to the podcast. So let me know if uh, you've been listening to this. And and you know what? If you're feeling so inclined, feel free to share something that you have taken to the garage sale recently or that maybe after listening to this and you've thought about it, maybe you're going to take to the garage sale. I would love to know what you're discarding. So anyway, thanks for listening to the Epic Classroom Podcast. My name is Trevor Muir, and thanks for all of the good work you do in students' lives to make learning epic. I'll see you next time.